Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Honest Money is proudly sponsored by Outsurance. When last did you question how much you're paying for business insurance? The truth is, you could find yourself with a monthly saving thanks to a customized commercial insurance solution from Outsurance. Simply SMS BUSINESS to 30165 for a callback. And if your needs are complex, you can even arrange a meeting with a dedicated business Outsurance agent in person, adhering to COVID-19 safety protocols or via video conference. Outsurance, you always get something out. Outsurance is a licensed insurer and FSP. T's and C's apply. 50 cents per SMS. Welcome to Honest Money. It's a, a, a special edition today because we've got one of South Africa's very best financial planners uh, with us on the show today. Uh, and she, she also happens to be a friend and colleague. So uh, welcome to Yolanda Boerter. Thank you, Warren, for that introduction. Um, I would... Uh say that the best financial advisor is you, but there we go. So we're, we're going to shake things up a bit in the format of the show today. And uh, and I thought, uh, you know, a lot of the time people are trying to get a grip of, of what's going on in the South African economy and, you know, the, the financial environment, the political environment and the like. So so I thought uh, we, we've kind of gathered some of the, the key questions and the key concerns that our, our listeners have got. And, and then you and I are going to chat about them. Uh, and, and so uh, I'm going to I'm going to hand over. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the reins now to to to, to drive the conversation, and I'll, I'll do my best to see where we go. Oh, great! Thank you very much. Um, you know, clients are really worried about the economic situation, and there's so much going on in our South African economy at the moment. So there was the recent IMF loan to South Africa for COVID, and Tito is talking about zero-based budgeting. So what does this mean and is it good for South Africa? Yeah, I think it's a, um, you know, we're living through such a dynamic time at the moment where, you know, we, we had a bad economy before COVID uh, and then we've had sort of 10 years of really destructive, really bad uh, economic policies by the, the Zuma era government um, and then sort of one year of almost it felt like nothing happening in the first the first time that, uh, that that's, uh, Cyril took over from, from Zuma. And so it's very tempting for a lot of us to say, well, nothing's changed, nothing's happening. And then uh, we've had COVID and then we've had lockdown and, 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 you know, things are just getting worse. And then, you know, politically in our country, you know, when we talk about the IMF, uh, there's this real fear that we give up our, our sovereignty as a country where we now allow some faceless institution to decide how we run our, our country and how we spend our money and, and what we do. And, and I think that it's, you know, it's, it's, it can be quite scary. But I think the, the important thing here is uh, th- th- there has been quite a lot of progress over the last two years in the way that the, the financials of the country have been run. And, and secondly, the economic priorities uh, th- th- that this government has. And, and so, you know, most importantly, uh, we, we, we have seen real steps by, by Tito Mboweni, the finance minister's budgets, as to how he wants to control expenditure. So, so for example, in the last emergency budget, uh, he, he spoke about you know, moving to what they call a zero-based budgeting. And in other words, we don't just start with last year's budget and say, well, we spent... 
30 billion on education. So if things are tough, we'll just spend 29.8 billion and, and you know, we've cut our expenditure. Zero-based budgeting says we've only got whatever it is, let's just say, you know, 100 million uh, or a billion uh, rand to spend. How are we best going to spend that billion rand? And then we try and make the money work, which is in, in the real world, that's how you and I and everyone else that earns a salary, that's how we spend. We don't spend as to how we would like to spend money. We spend as to what do we earn, and then that dictates how we can spend our money. So so it's a much more logical, much more rational approach to, to money management and, and the fiscus of the, of the country as a whole. And so, so I think that it's a very positive step. Yes, it won't be nice and smooth, and yes, there'll be uh, mess ups like we, we've already seen with with fraud and and corruption around the the, the COVID uh, recovery money and the you know, buying of uh, personal protection equipment and and the like. But that doesn't mean that the big trends, that the, the the big shift has already started to happen. So, so I think that it is a it is a good news story for for the country. Uh, and, and more importantly, I think there's a lot of alignment between the finance minister and the president and the whole economic cluster in South Africa and the SARS commissioner. And that's really important because now the people that collect the money and the people that decide how it's going to be spent are in 100% in alignment with the president of the country who is steering the ship in the right direction. And it feels to me the exact opposite of what, what was happening under Zuma, where you know Zuma was steering the country in one direction, the, the finance ministers, except for Van Rooyen, were, uh, were trying to steer the country in a better direction, and they were being undercut by a SARS commissioner who was frankly awful. So, so it feels to me that, that, that the people that control the purse strings are in charge, uh, and, and I, I wouldn't be scared about the IMF loan. To me, uh, if I look at it, we, we shouldn't be happy about getting more debt, because that's actually what's happened. The country has to borrow more money, so, so that's a bad thing. But the terms and conditions of the loan are quite uh, are not onerous. They're not taking away uh, our our responsibility or our ability to run our country. Uh, we still have that re- responsibility as a country, and they're lending us the money at an interest rate of about one percent a year, one point one percent a year in dollars, uh, and and that's quite an attractive interest rate because at the moment, if we go and borrow money overseas as a country, we're going to pay somewhere around seven percent a year in dollars. So so I think that it is it, it isn't a scary step. I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction and if we can combine that with this zero-based budgeting that they're talking about it feels like financially the, the country is starting to be better managed the big problem is that we need to get economic growth uh, you know because you can only control your expenses as much as you can the other side of the story is you need to earn more money and, and I think that that's the real trick and that's the thing that worries me but but for now the the, the steps that we've seen in the last three to six months and potentially even 12 months as a country I think uh, actually we're, we're moving in the right direction from an expenditure point of view. I'm very glad that you say that the ship is going in the right direction because I think if you read Twitter's fear, which we all know is very negative and you get very interesting comments there, a lot of people were feeling that it's going a little bit off center, but it's, it's really nice to hear the positive side of that, Warren. And I think that's a great point. You know, a lot of us uh, on social media and and even you know on on news apps on our phones and the like. And I think it's important to note that, for example, a lot of the more, uh, more well-respected journalists are making fundamental mistakes in the way that they're reporting what's happening 
on economic policy, uh, on on strategy strategy decisions, and and uh, the way that things are being run in the country. They're just they're going for big headlines that are scary that that grab our attention, but actually they're not even getting the details right uh, uh, some of the time. So so important to 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 be careful of the journalists. Uh, I'm not saying that they have an agenda. I think they're just simply making mistakes. It's not a there's no hidden agenda or some uh, whole conspiracy theory. I just think it's showing that the quality of journalism is is not great at the moment across the board. Uh, and, and then Twitter, as we know, Twitter, um, uh, you know, is a, is a great place for faceless, nameless people to vent, uh, but it's not a great place to go and find high quality news and high quality information and good discussions about uh, about what's going on. Unfortunately, that has to happen elsewhere. This is a great podcast and this is the place to get it from. <laughs> That's true. I mean, if you listen to the good um, news, if you can call it that, it seems to be that there is a different approach from government towards state-owned enterprises and even towards business in general in South Africa. Is this true? Yeah, I think that it's a, it's, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. So, so I think a couple of things. One, if we look at uh, ESCOM, you know, uh, I, I saw in the recent past that, uh, you know, really well-respected journalist wrote an article on Daily Maverick saying that, you know, with ESCOM, Cyril had a nine-point plan and he'd made nine promises to the country and not one of those had been delivered on. And I felt that that was, again, it's an example of really just blatant inaccuracy by, by a journalist. And, 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 you know, some of the things are really big uh, jobs that have been undertaken, you know, for, for example, example, uh, you know, one of the promises that was made was that ESCOM would be broken up into three separate uh, businesses. So there'll be a business that generates electricity, there'll be a business that, that moves electricity from the power plants to the metropolitan areas and, and, to, and to smaller little towns and cities, and, and then there'll be a business that actually gets that, uh, the, the main big power uh, to, the, to individual houses and individual businesses. And, and so... That breakup is going to take a lot of time, and and so you know the the comment that nothing has happened around something like that is completely wrong. There, there are already three clear divisions with separate uh, boards, separate management teams, separate sets of accounts. That um, that's already taken place. That 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 restructure has started, and and to give you an idea of what a big job it is, if we look at something like Old Mutual, it took them five years to break that company up into its different parts that that they promised to do. Five years for a business that was listed in South Africa and listed in America and listed in London with a really well-paid uh, team of lawyers, actuaries and accountants working flat out to, to get that done. So in a country like ours, where we've got a really constrained budget to start breaking ESCOM up in a period of one or two years is just not going to happen. But what we need to measure is, is it, is it happening? Is there progress? And, and, and certainly, I, I think there is. And I think that the, if we look at the action taken by the current CEO, you, you know, he's, he's taking real steps to, and I, it's wrong to say it's just the current CEO, the current leadership of, of, of ESCOM. I think there's big alignment between the leadership of ESCOM and government again uh, for the first time in a very long time. And, and they are taking action to get the, the, the power plants that are, are in existence still to get them reliable, to do the proper maintenance and, and to get them on track again. And at the same time, the government is creating an environment that, that is much easier for private businesses to start selling energy as well and to become contributors to the country's power problem because we have a power problem. It's not just a debt problem. It's not just an ESCOM problem. So, so I feel like there, there, there is a, a, a real big move on, on ESCOM already and, and certainly I think that that move will accelerate over time. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to, to look back in three or four years from now to see that, for example, 
private uh, companies are producing 20 or 30 percent of all of the the power requirements of the country uh, down from about uh, you know where, where ESCOM at the moment is doing 95 percent now I wouldn't be surprised to see it at 70 percent in, in a few years time and and we've got a great example of that in our history you know if we uh, if we had to think about you know telecom in the past that was a, a parastatal and it, and it was responsible for every landline uh, in those days every fax line and every form of communication on, on an electronic basis in the country it was a terrible performer and the moment uh, you know the, the decision was taken to break that uh, that business up a little bit and to allow other competition to come in we saw the advent of cell phone companies we saw the advent of broad uh, broadband and guess what? Telcom's a major producer in this country of of data, and also a major employer. So, so I think that the, you know there's some really positive role models there. Uh, um, we we don't all know exactly how the SAA story is going to unfold, but that's another good example where government has stopped giving a big blank check to to ESCOM every time they are uh, sorry to SAA every time they ask for more money. What's happening now is SAA either gets closed down, or it gets restructured as a tiny uh, um, airline, or it becomes a business that has private and uh, and state money in it but but the, the, it needs to now become a viable business or it will be closed down so so i think that there is a real change from a from a government point of view to the to the state owned enterprises it's not just lip service that it could have been 2 or 3 years ago and if we talk about business, uh, you know, what's interesting about business is that that probably four or five years ago, if you had asked uh, Ibrahim Patel, who is a cabinet minister, about the role of business in South Africa and and the, the role of government, he would have said government is the creator of the policy, the, 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 the implementer of policy and the driver of new businesses, you know, new banks, uh, you know, new, new airlines, new operators in, in every aspect. And if you were to ask him that same question today, I think he would say very differently. He would say that uh, they've tried that, they've seen that it doesn't work, that the speed at which business gets done uh, in South Africa and around the world requires really speedy decisions to be made uh, in as high quality uh, way as possible and then to be implemented really rapidly. And and government unfortunately doesn't make thousands of decisions rapidly and then has a, and then and then uh, has a history of being able to deliver on that. That's not what any government does. So I think that they've realized as a government now and I say the government, it's, it's, it's also an ANC policy documents that they need to create an enabling environment for business to deliver on the objectives of government, which is to get the economy going, which is to get private enterprise to, to, to employ more people um, and new sectors to be created and, and much more support for, for business all around. So, so I think that there's now a realization, yes, it's probably five or eight years too late, but the point is that it's there now. Uh, and, and, and government does know that, that actually sometimes they need to get out the way uh, and let business do what they need to do. And sometimes they just need to stop creating so many new rules and, and putting so many hurdles in the, in the path of business. They actually need to help business. And I think that that's a fundamental difference from the past. You know, to me, uh, as a businessman in South Africa five or eight years ago, I felt like a public enemy. You know, I felt like the government and, and the, 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 the whole of the, the um, tripartite alliance uh, were, were making uh, business people out to be the baddies in this. And I think they've realized uh, b business is the source of employment. It's not government that'll be a source of employment. So, so I think that there is quite a big shift, and I, I think um, I, 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 I think we're on a much better path than we were in the past. That that doesn't mean, for example, that that, that we don't have a heck of a lot of problems, uh, and, and and we do need to get the the economy growing again. And I do think there'll still be a lot more social unrest as we see unemployment rising because of COVID. But I do think that we have the right people in charge and. 
for the first time in a long time, the right sets of attitudes to, to what needs to be done. And, and if they can allow that to happen, uh, I do think we've got a good chance of, of recovery. Thank you, Warren. That's great to hear a positive and rational voice in South Africa in the current environment that we sit in. We definitely need more voices like yours. So, so I think you know, for 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 the, the the person listening to this, you know, just be careful of getting caught up in the hype of of social media or market commentators that that are spewing bad news all the time and and not necessarily showing the other side of it. I think our bad news in South Africa is extremely well publicised. Uh, you know, between social media and the media, we have a free press, and, and and our and our journalists are very good at telling us what's gone wrong. But I think they're actually really bad at reporting the good news and giving it equal measure of of space and exposure to, to, to the bad news. So, so for me, you know, my, my summary comment here is things are moving in a little bit of a better direction. We've got a lot of problems. It's going to take a while to get, to get things right again. But that doesn't mean that it's all doom and gloom. There, there is hope. And for those uh, that, are, that are motivated and, and are, are happy to take action, watch this space. I think, I think things, uh, opportunities for businesses in South Africa will improve. So, so stay focused and, and, and if you can, stay disciplined. So thanks everybody for for listening and Yolanda thanks so much for for joining us on the show it was it was great to have you and uh, and I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon. Honest Money was proudly brought to you by Outsurance. If you have any questions about how you can boost your business's bottom line, thanks to potential insurance saving, SMS BUSINESS to 30165. Outsurance Business is geared and ready to give you a custom commercial insurance solution. No matter what business you're in, Outsurance, you always get something out. Outsurance is a licensed insurer and FSP. T's and C's apply. 50 cents per SMS.